I invite you, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And I encourage you each Sunday as we worship our God together, bring your Bibles, turn to the Scripture as we study it together. It's the sword of the Spirit, and let us become accomplished at how we use this gift from our God. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and for your grace. We are grateful for your holy word, for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, the risen Savior and Lord now and forever. Amen. I love Easter. And Easter is more than just a day. Easter is a celebration of our faith. Easter changes everything for us. And it's not only about everlasting life. Although John 3:16, Jesus shares with us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life. Everlasting life is a very real part of Easter, but there's even more to Easter than that. Easter changes how we live now. I mean, Easter is not only about hope for tomorrow so that I can tolerate today. No, Easter is about victory today as well as hope for tomorrow. It allows me to live a victorious life, not a, a timid life, but a victorious life, not, not a life of weakness, but a life of strength. Easter allows us to move from fear and despair to boldness. We see that in Peter. Just look at Peter. Peter was an amazing disciple. He was an ordinary person just like you and me, when you read the scriptures, you hear the various references to Peter. He, he was a common guy, but Jesus saw something special in him. Peter was a fisherman. He was from Bethsaida, which is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. He fished with his brother Andrew. They were partners together with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who also become disciples of Jesus. When Peter grows up, he moves over to Capernaum. So if you look at the Sea of Galilee, it's like he grew up at one o'clock on the northern part of the sea. And he just moves slightly west over again on the sea to Capernaum where he continued in his fishing business. He was married. We know that because Jesus heals his mother-in-law in Mark chapter 1. He had family obligations. He had a family to provide for. May have even been a father. But he becomes one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus calls him. He's willing to leave it all to follow and he becomes part of Jesus' inner circle. You know, Peter, James, and John, they become part of that inner group. They witness some of the miracles that others didn't see. They witness the transfiguration. Not everyone got to see that. Peter, he was also the one in Matthew 16 when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Was the one who boldly spoke up and said, I know who you are. I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And then he even takes it another level. You are the Son of the living God. That's when Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. Petros, which means rock. 
but Peter was also able to be just slightly overconfident. Right before Jesus was to experience the betrayal and the crucifixion, Jesus said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, He said, Simon, Simon, listen. Always when I read that and hear Simon's name called twice, it's never good when someone calls your name twice. It's kind of like when I was growing up. If my mother called my full name, you were in trouble, Simon, Simon. You can almost sense him going, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, and you, when once you've turned back, will strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, I mean, you can, you can almost picture Peter thinking about it for a moment, and then he just he looks at Jesus and he says to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And I think he meant it. I think Peter honestly believed at that point, I'll follow you anywhere. I will follow you, and if that means going to prison, I'll do it. If it means going to my death, I will do it. It's easy to think hypothetically what I'm willing to do until it happens. And Jesus knew this is not hypothetical. And he looks at Peter and he said, well, actually... The cock will not crow this day until you have denied me three times. Peter just can't hardly believe that that would happen. And then later as the story goes on and you keep reading, you'll find that, that Jesus is arrested and Peter will follow him at a distance to the courtyard. We, we remember that Peter denies him, but you also have to celebrate and at least give Peter a little credit. He was the disciple who was willing to follow Jesus, watching what was going on, staying back, even entering into the courtyard where a fire was going and some soldiers and others were warming themselves and he's trying to pay attention to what's happening to Jesus and trying not to be too conspicuous when a servant girl starts looking at him. I think Peter had to start getting uncomfortable. She's staring at me. She knows. Do I try to go away? Do I hang here? What do I do? I can imagine his heart rate's going up, the adrenaline's starting to flow. She's, she's looking at me again. She's, she's going to say something, and pretty soon she does. Hey, you're one of Jesus' disciples, aren't you? And he denies it. I, I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. She keeps looking at him. Others are around He's hoping she'll just go away. But then, no, once again, you're one of Jesus' disciples. Aren't you? You're Galilean. I'm pretty sure you're one of Jesus' disciples. And he denies it again. Then on the third time, when you are one of his disciples, he actually swears an oath and curses. I don't know him. And we're told then in Luke 22 that immediately the cock crowed and Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter. I love Peter. He was so human. He, he was one who wanted to be faithful. He, he was in the inner circle, just not quite fully there. I think like many of us, faith not quite fully developed. But something happens to him. When you turn over to the book of Acts, 
you will see a different Peter. You will see a different leader. You will see a different disciple who is willing to step up and stand for what he believes regardless of the threat against him. For example, turn again to Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, where Luke, who wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, where Luke writes, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of the good deed done to someone who was sick and ask how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. Peter, John, the apostles were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, someone had been healed, and now the question is being asked, what are you doing? And the Sadducees and others are so frustrated that they are proclaiming resurrection. The Sadducees, as you know, didn't even believe in the resurrection. So the fact that these disciples are teaching the resurrection was just infuriating. They had thought they had squelched this whole thing. They thought they had squelched this faith. They thought they had put an end to this whole Jesus as the Messiah conversation. And it's still going on. So they have them arrested. But we're told there were many people who were believing what the disciples were teaching. Did you hear the number? There were about 5,000 people who believed. Now, if you just turn back to Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost, there were 3,000 who believed at that point. In other words, Luke is wanting us to see that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, thousands are accepting Him. The church is growing exponentially. Peter boldly begins to proclaim this Jesus. You crucified him. 
God raised him from the dead. That takes some courage to look at the very people who've arrested you, held you overnight, and tell them you crucified him. But God raised him. And then to explain, not only that, Jesus has become the cornerstone. Now in building, especially back in biblical times, that cornerstone was so vital because the laying of that cornerstone was the laying of that foundation and and the angle of the cornerstone would determine the angle of the entire building that was about to be built. So its orientation was critical. If it wasn't level, the building wouldn't be right. If it wasn't angled correctly, the whole building would be wrong. You get it right, all is well. Get it wrong, the whole thing is off. And Peter goes, and that cornerstone is Jesus himself. He is the one who sets everything right and on which everything else is to be built. And then he even says boldly, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. That's a pretty bold statement to be saying to the very religious leaders who had Jesus crucified. But Peter is boldly going, this is where salvation comes. This is the cornerstone. As you know, I love the biblical scholar N.T. Wright, who is a professor at Oxford, and I read many of his books, as you, you probably well know. But N.T. Wright says this about Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He said, All this gives us reason to ask rather carefully just why it is that Acts 4.12 has become so unpopular within the politically correct climate of the last few generations in the Western world. No other name. People say this is arrogant or exclusive or triumphalist. So indeed it can be if Christians use the name of Jesus to further their own power or prestige. But for many years now, he says, in the Western world at least, the boot has been on the other foot. It is the secularist and the relativist who have acted the part of the chief priest, protecting their cherished temple of modernist thought, within which there can be no mention of resurrection, no naming of a name like that of Jesus. And the apostles, in any case, would answer, well, who else is there that can rescue people in this fashion? Peter is boldly proclaiming, Jesus, the one you crucified, God raised from the dead. He is now the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. And I love Acts 4 verse 13. When they, these scribes, Sadducees, all the people around When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated, not meaning they were not educated, but not theologically educated, and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. Boldness. That Greek word is parousia, parousia, which means confidence, courage, boldness. Now, that's total different from one who goes, 
I, I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Not once or twice, but three times with the third time even being with swearing and cursing. No, this is a different kind of boldness that's able and willing to look at the very people who crucified Jesus going, you crucified him, God overturned it. He is now the cornerstone. I mean, boldly proclaiming this gospel of Jesus Christ. The New Interpreter Study Bible says that bold assurance is a hallmark of Jesus' Spirit-filled followers. It is a hallmark of Jesus' Spirit-filled followers. Later on, you'll hear when they continue to tell them, you are no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. We're telling you to stop this. In chapter 4, verse 20, Peter will go, we can't keep from speaking about what we've seen and heard. They're hauled back before the council in Acts chapter 5 after they continue to proclaim Christ. And, and, and the high priest said, we ordered you to stop. And Peter in chapter 5, verse 29 will answer, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Peter is so different. I mean, early on, his first miracle was Jesus turning water to wine. Do you see what happens with Peter, who's changed from a doubting, ordinary person to an amazing, bold, confident, courageous leader? So what happened? Well, Easter happened. That's what happened. Easter happened. Here, here's the formula. If you have an encounter with the risen Christ, and remember Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days, 40 days with the risen Christ, plus the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit leads to life change. Life change. I mean, the resurrection, the disciples were broken before the resurrection. Peter himself, he was broken before the resurrection. After the crucifixion, they were in utter despair. They were crushed. Both Jesus and their faith had been crucified. Both Jesus and their faith had been buried. They, they were just at a point of exasperation, but then Easter happens. The risen Christ. It's why N.T. Wright goes on to say, without it there is no gospel. There would only be the sad and glorious memory of a great but failed teacher and would-be Messiah. But Easter happened. And I love Luke, who's telling us this story, who also tells us in Luke chapter 1 that Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples in chapter 1, verse 3. In other words, this faith is not built on someone had a brief appearance, a five minutes appearance with Jesus outside the tomb, or Jesus showed up in a room for about five minutes. No, no, no. 40 days eating with them on the shore, walking with them, talking to them, teaching them, reminding them of the Scripture. 40 days. I mean, that's over five weeks. 40 days, that's well over a month. 40 days of time together with Jesus. I mean, you want proof of the resurrection? The fact that Jesus was with them for 40 days? Pretty solid proof. 
the fact that, that it's a divine healing. I mean, he wasn't in a coma and this came out of the tomb because think about this. The Roman soldiers were professional executioners, professionals at torture. And remember this, before Jesus was ever placed on the cross, he was beaten to a pulp. He was struck in the face. The soldiers take over beating him. He is slapped. He is spat upon. He is hit with reeds. And then he's placed on the cross. If the resurrection of Jesus for 40-day appearance with the disciples wasn't real, I mean, if, if Jesus had just survived somehow, he wouldn't have been teaching and walking around for 40 days. Even in our time, the best case scenario would have been intensive care. He would have been an intensive care unit unconscious somewhere. Now you want proof of resurrection, add 40 days to the list that we shared last Sunday as we celebrated Easter together. The 40 days of the risen Christ with Peter and John and the disciples changed them and changed the story of the resurrection from an event to a reality. You want to be changed and, and move and experience Easter more than just one day. It's when we live with the risen Christ, when we are constantly experiencing the risen Christ, that our life is changed. And the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, you have the powerful story of Pentecost when the disciples had gathered as Jesus commanded them to do and then God breathes His Holy Spirit upon them and the church is birthed and the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. If you looked at chapter 4 that we just read, verse 8, the scripture tells us here that Peter now was filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of God. What's the formula? What is the formula for this changed life? Living with the risen Christ plus the outpouring of His Holy Spirit will equal a changed life. Living with the risen Christ, experiencing the power of God, gives us that boldness. Peter was already bold, but did you notice, I mean, if you keep reading chapter 4 and you get down to verse 29, Peter will pray again to continue to be bold. He will pray for boldness once again. He's already been bold and proclaimed the scripture we just read, but now he asked God again. He said, and now, Lord, look at the threats. Look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. Did you catch the partnership? Pour out your Holy Spirit, grant to us servants to speak your word with boldness while you are stretching out your hand, healing and doing signs and wonders. What happened? Easter happened. And Easter can be for us just one day out of the year. Or Easter can be for us a life-changing experience. So which has it been for you? Remember the formula. Living with the risen Christ. 
not just showing up one day out of the year to recognize He is risen, but to walk with Jesus Christ every day of your life, living with the risen Christ, plus the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit will equal a changed life. Peter is night and day different, water to wine. And God can change you and God can change me. And our prayer for God's sake is that God will breathe upon the church and the church will walk with the risen Christ and we can be changed to be bold for God's glory as well. It's the key to our lives. We can live our lives as Good Friday people, down, disappointed, in despair, hopeless. Or we can live as Easter people, not only with a hope for tomorrow, but a victorious and bold Christian life today that is unashamed to proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Easter changed Peter. Peter was one of those Easter people. And Easter can change us. And Jesus calls and empowers us to be Easter people. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. May the world around us see the change in us. Our boldness as Christians. And may the world recognize us as companions of Jesus Christ. You can celebrate Easter Day or you can be changed by Easter. Just look at Peter. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful for your love and grace. And wow, what a change. What a change in this amazing disciple who followed you and wanted to be faithful to become the disciple who followed you and was so faithful and bold. Because living with the risen Christ, plus the encounter of your Holy Spirit, empowerment of your Holy Spirit, will equal a changed life. So God, we pray that each one of us now that are worshiping you together will live with the risen Christ, not just experience Him one day, but live with Him every day. We pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit and empower us that we may boldly proclaim our faith and that this will lead to a changed life and the world will recognize that we and your church are indeed companions of Jesus the Christ. Amen.